Welcome back to another episode of the Worthy Bitch Podcast. I am so excited for our very special guest today, Megan Frazier. She is my cousin. She is a graphic designer and artist, even though she won't admit it. She is a beautiful soul, and she is here to expand our minds. So today we are, this is part one of a two-part series or episodes of us just talking kind of how we just always talk. So you're getting a little bit of a behind the scenes look at how we just communicate. So we're not talking, we're not trying to say that we're experts on anything. This is just our opinions based off of our personal experiences and things that we like to discuss. Our conversations usually go pretty long and we get pretty deep and I thought it would be fun to share some of the stuff that we talk about because we have very different viewpoints on some things and very similar viewpoints on other things. So it's kind of just like listening to a behind the scenes conversation. So ignore my little weird sounds and whatever because I was literally just talking with my cousin and um, forgot that I was recording some of the time. So also just beware that there are some dog barking issues. I think this is mainly in the second episode, but it's a little bit in the first one towards the end as well. My neighbor put their dog out and I think they left and so you can hear the dog barking quite a bit. I apologize for that and I tried to take care of it. There was nothing I can do unfortunately. I got rid of some of it. I did what I I could, and um, so we have what we have. If you can overlook it, then there's going to be some fun and really good information for you. Also, beware, we do have some very interesting religion and spirituality views, and we talk about God and stuff like that, so... If you are familiar with this podcast, we you know that we go deep into that kind of stuff, and so we talk about some really, really deep, interesting perspectives here. So have an open mind and an open heart and get ready to dive in into all things self-awareness. We go deep into principles and values and getting vulnerable and ways to get vulnerable. We're trying to find balance and create harmony within ourselves, right? So yes, I am so excited to share this with you today. So without further ado, here is Megan Frazier for you. testing a little bit and then you say some stuff too so we can hear <laughs> so you're like hey i'm megan <laughs> uh hello my name is megan frazier and i am a graphic designer a book enthusiast a cynic and <laughs> a lover okie dokie hello welcome back to another episode of the worthy bitch podcast Today I have Megan with me here. She is my cousin and one of my dearest, lovest friends and people that I cherish. And I'm going to let her introduce herself, but we're going to start by doing a little bit of a centering exercise. This is something new that I've learned about and I really enjoy it. And it just kind of brings a sense of peace over you. So I'll start just kind of coming into the space where you are. And you begin by identifying five things that you see. So just notice five things that you see. 
Okay, you got your five things and then four things that you hear. And if you're in a quiet place, that might be kind of hard. Then you can notice like even the sound of your own breath. I can only hear three things. Okay. <laughs> and then um, three things that you feel. Kind of helps if you close your eyes during this as well. So like, for example, I can feel myself sitting on my seat. I can feel my arms on my lap and I can feel the air on my skin. Two things you smell. And one thing you taste. Kind of brings you into the present moment I think it kind of puts you hyper aware of like your now moment I don't know I like it makes me feel grounded anyways that is called the five four three two one method so five things that you see four you hear three you feel two you smell and one you taste and it is actually a really good exercise for different types of anxiety disorders to bring you out of like the future out of your mind and into the now and allow yourself to kind of ground so anyway all right megan would you like to introduce yourself sure that's a very helpful exercise yeah i like that uh, my name is megan frazier and i am a graphic designer the owner founder and sole operator of Frazier Design Company. I'm also a book enthusiast, a cynic, and a lover. Oh, and a cat mom. Can't forget that. Can't forget that. That's like the most important part. Yeah. His name's <laughs> Mufasa. <gasps> Mufasa? No one asked, but his name's Mufasa. I don't know why I didn't ask. Now I'm like wishing I would ask. <laughs> no one cares. That's why you didn't ask. <laughs> People care. Everybody here who cares about Mufasa, reach out to Megan and say, hey, you love Mufasa. He's the coolest cat I've ever met. All right. So today we are going to talk about one of your, I guess it's like a passion of yours or something that you like to study. What is it exactly that? Explain it to me. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I'd like to talk about design a little bit. Okay. Uh, since that's my expertise. So graphic design, for those of you who don't know, is typically used in marketing and advertising and involves the combination of words and images. It's more notoriously used as propaganda, as you guys can see, during election season and in history and all the world wars. There's been a lot of propaganda that has gone down in history, so uh, I think graphic design can be used for more than that to express, you know, things that are actually valuable and things that you're not actually trying to sell. It could be anything, so I'm out to discover what graphic design can be used for to provide insight into the self. So my favorite subject is self-awareness, psychology, and esotericism subjects, plural. And I um, do a lot of research on these things, a lot of personal studying. Manly P. Hall is my favorite guy that's ever existed. He's a Freemason. Uh, I won't go into detail about his bio because it's too much, but he is just an intelligent man, and I have never found the type of information that I found through him anywhere else. Did you want to go into the Freemason thing? Because you're really knowledgeable about that. Um, I don't think that Freemasonry is his uh, strongest suit. It's just part of the puzzle. 
-hmm. He is firstly a philosopher. He founded the Philosophical Research Society located in Los Angeles, California. And he has written many, many books. He's given over 8,000 lectures, no notes. Oh, wow. And you can actually find all of his lectures, not all of them, I'm sure, but many of his lectures on YouTube. There's no ads because literally no one listens to him. And mm. I don't know why, because it's a serious gem of knowledge. His, uh, esotericism is based upon the ultimate motive. And the ultimate motive is the service of truth itself. So... The reason I love Manly P. Hall is because he has helped me discover the truth in a world of chaos and lies. I mean, everywhere you turn, people are trying to convince you of something, trying to sell you something, trying to tell you that what they believe is correct. But really, the only way to find the truth is to look inward. And so my goal through design and through everyday life is to discover the truth and to find out what my principles are, which mm -hmm. are based in truth. So... Do principles you, sorry sorry I was just going to ask a question on that but um because I was curious do you believe that the truth is relative hmm that is a very interesting question um I'm not sure how to answer that because mm. everyone has a subjective perspective but actually I do know how to answer that no there is ultimate truth there has to be ultimate truth because if there wasn't then it would just be a jumble of everything. I mean, there would be no up or down if there wasn't truth. Mm. So um, I think the best way to find it is, like I said, looking within. And you're going to have to dig through a lot of crap that people have tried to convince oh, you yeah. of in order to get there. So it's a lot of uncovering, a lot of sifting through information. Shadow just, work, all the yes. stuff that people don't want to look at. Yeah, exactly. Um so for me, the way I discover truth is truth in myself, that is, is by doing new things. And I try to do new things every single day. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter how big it is. Um, so it could be as simple as cooking a dish you've never cooked before or just taking a different route to the store. Anything. Just that. do something you've never done before because when you're in a vulnerable situation, you're able to see your true colors. You get a raw visceral reaction from yourself that shows you who you really are. So my favorite way to discover myself is fencing, as you know. Mm, I love mm -hmm. doing that. Uh, also, for those of you who don't know what fencing is, it's not building fences. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do people think that? Yes, people oh think that. Oh my gosh. No. It's sword fighting. <laughs> um, I fence for the Athens Fencing Club. It's badass. Athens. It is badass. Shout out to Coach Alan Schneider. Okay. He's my coach, trained by an Olympian fencer. So I'm getting the real good stuff from him. And uh, wow. it's a, it's kind of an embarrassing thing, honestly. Like when you're doing that, when you get hit, when you lose, it's embarrassing. And it, it really makes you, um, it humbles you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it shows you that you're not the best at anything. And it kind of gives you perspective on where you really are on a spectrum. Mm. So I love doing it um, just so I can see who I really am. And fencing is all about intention, too. So it really makes you examine your own intentions. Yeah, I really love that. And I love what you were saying about when you're in a vulnerable situation, that it kind of shows you 
the real side of yourself. You have to look at things a different way. That's I find that in myself, whereas you find it in fencing. I find it in travel. And so whenever I travel by myself, like when I go to the other side of the world all alone, you have to be hyper aware of your surroundings and you really, you only have yourself, you know? And so it really puts you into a huge self-reflective mode. I mean, talk about self-awareness for sure. But I like also the fencing puts you, it makes you comfortable in the uncomfortability. But so does travel as well. So it shows up in a lot of different ways. And just like traveling, fencing is um, your survival instincts kick in. When you're alone on the other side of the world, you are hyper aware of your surroundings. And you're constantly looking for things that might come out and eat you. And when I'm fencing, someone is running at me with a metal stick. Right. (laughs) Your raw reactions really kick in. And... Honestly, the art of fencing involves overcoming your reactions because you don't want to react quickly to anything. You want to be able to strategize. People look in fencing to physical chess. It's like Mm. chess because there's so much strategy involved and feints and fakes and tricking your opponent into doing something that they don't want to do so that you can hit them on the Mm. other side or whatever. Is it subtle, like subtle things? Or is it from like, if you were watching from an outside perspective, I mean, I don't know much about fencing and I don't know people who really do, but if you're watching from an outside perspective is, are the little things that you're trained on, are they subtle or can you see them from an uneducated eye? No, you definitely can't see them. It is very nuanced. And if you're watching fencing for the first time, it's going to look like two people running at each other (laughs) and hitting each other. And that's it. But there's so much more going on. There's so many layers to it. So I'm a relatively, uh, I'm a beginner in fencing. I did fence with UGA whenever I was a student there in 2017 is when I graduated And um, I kind of dropped off because I wanted to go on my career path and be a designer. But recently got back into it because uh, my intentions to get back in were to find a great way to exercise. Mm. I'm sitting at a desk, staring at a computer all day long. My back hurts. My neck hurts. Maybe I'll go for a walk. That's not enough. You need to move around. You need to be active and get the blood flowing in new ways and really exercise your mind if you can along with your body mm-hmm. so fencing is the perfect solution for that for me um, but I think that anybody can you know find your own particular niche that works well with your schedule and with your life just integrate that into whatever you do so that you can stay healthy and active and keep your mind sharp you know that's that's another reason I love doing it it keeps you on your guard mm-hmm. literally on guard mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> it's almost like a form of yoga in a way yeah and I always described when I came to yoga I did it because I knew I needed to exercise as well I think there's always some like ulterior motive behind whatever you know you're doing you're not just like oh yoga or oh fencing you're like oh I need to do this um but when I started doing yoga, I realized that it brought me out of myself. So that way I was able to go back into myself and learn about myself from a different perspective. Instead of being so attached to the emotion and everything that was going on, I was able to kind of release that and look at it from an objective point of view. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, it's it's also, also the definition of, sorry, of um, ecstasy. It's like coming out of yourself to go back into yourself. Oh. Yeah, or a rough definition. I mean, I'm not quoting, but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that's very, very interesting because it, it d- directly relates 
to fencing as well. Yeah, well, I would like to ask you, how does fencing kind of show yourself to yourself in a perspective which allows you to get to know yourself in a different way? You know what I mean? Is, is sure. that kind of what fencing does for you? So you can dive yeah. deep into that. Um, so that's that's interesting. Well, when I first started, it was kind of awkward, you know? People are watching me and telling me what to do, and I didn't really know how to react to that. And so that, that showed me a side of myself that I am self-conscious mm. when people are watching me do stuff. And it's something that I've had to overcome slowly. Now it's not so much a big of a deal anymore because I'm used to it. But um, another way that fencing shows me myself is that I'm not very aggressive, generally speaking. And this is a sport that requires aggression. So I have to figure out ways to channel wrath while I'm doing this. But not, it's not like anger or, it's kind of hard to explain. It's mm -hmm. just sort of spurts of red energy. Mm -hmm. Very red, if you want to akin fencing to a chakra or to a color, it's the root chakra, it's war, it's the planet Mars, it's red. And your survival. Yes, mm -hmm. and you are fighting for your life, that's the general idea. A long time ago, fencing was a way that people settled disputes. Personal conflicts, they'll take it out back and duel it out. So now the sport has evolved to be more, um, it's just a little more interesting now because the point is to get a touch. That's the main goal. You want to get points on your opponent. What do you mean? You're not trying to kill people? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some people. <laughs> uh, is yeah. there a certain point you have to touch? I don't know. I'm just a little bit curious about fencing, but we don't have to really get into it. But is there a certain point you have to touch or just point touch anywhere on your body? No, uh, there, is, there are particulars. There are three different types of swords in fencing. There's foil, epee, and saber. I'm a saber fencer. Foil is a super bendy sword that you've probably seen before. Um, the rules in foil are different from the rules in epee and in saber. So in foil, the chest area is the target. In epee, it's anywhere on the body. Very interesting, but that's a much slower game. In saber, the target area is from the waist up. So the head is a target there, and mm. Sabre is very fast. So it's very active and very fast, whereas Foil and Epe are a little bit more concentrated and searching. You're trying to, like, stab in Foil and Epe, and Sabre is a slashing weapon. Think of a lightsaber. Mm, interesting. I love that. It's like a way to um, train yourself in a different form of discipline. Like, since you're not an aggressive person, training yourself to be disciplined in, aggress in aggression, almost, yeah, in a certain type of way. And I know that you like to, I don't want to say this incorrectly, but I know that you like to kind of study principles and how that relates to self-awareness. Am I saying that right? Sure. Or, okay. Yeah, let's just uh, have a little definition of principles because I think this is very important for everyone to discover the principles of themselves. So I'll give you my personal definition first, and then we'll go to Google about it. Okay. But my personal definition of a principle is the thing deep down inside of you. It's very hard to see, but it's deep down in there. You've got to kind of work to see what it is. And it's the thing that nobody, no circumstance, nothing can change. 
It's the rock-solid foundation of yourself. It's the truth of you. Mm. And so I use fencing to try to discover that, but I also do a lot of other things to try to discover that. Really, anything you do can show you yourself if you're looking. If you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, you'll be shown. I relate, principle, when you explain that to me, I relate it almost to, like, values or morals. Is it, like, a really, like, deep-rooted, like, value or moral kind of? Yeah, then- so let's go to the... Google definition, because I think that'll help. It's a little more articulate than me. Uh, So, principles, noun, a fundamental truth or proposition that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior or for a chain of reasoning. So a lot of people look to religion to find their principles. Think of the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. That's a good place to start. And I personally would like to be an advocate for religion here while I have the chance to talk to random people. It doesn't matter what religion you have. Just have one. Just look to something higher than yourself because, sorry, hate to break it to you, you're not the end-all be-all. There is something bigger than you out there. And it's important to realize that and to try to strive for a higher self, a higher state of being. Transcend your basic monkey self, level up, and yeah. integrate the divine. Because we are, as humans, essentially half beast and half angel. So it would be great mm-hmm. for us to figure out what parts of ourselves are beastly and what parts of ourselves are divine. And, of course, the divine stuff, that's where you're going to find your principles. The beastly things are more like the raw reactions you get when you're trying new things or whatever. So do you, would you kind of say that the beastly side almost reveals your divine, your divinity? or Because, yeah. like, you're saying you need to put yourself in vulnerable positions to reveal that side of yourself. Because, so, like, if you can't see it, you can't get to know it or do anything about it. So you would have to put yourself in that place where it shows itself to you to be able to work with it. Yeah, almost. exactly. Oh, very um, interesting. Actually... Here's something fun for everyone to do. I've recently been watching orangutan videos. Okay. On YouTube. (laughs) That is fun for everyone to do. They are so adorable, y'all. Please, just take five minutes out of your day. Go to the Smithsonian channel on YouTube and watch some orangutans play around. It's amazing. But what's so interesting about it is, again, if you have the eyes to see, you'll be able to pick up on things that they do that we also do. Now, those things, if a monkey is doing it, that might give you a little bit of insight into what parts of yourself are of a beastly nature. Mm. So, for example, there's this one super adorable video of monkeys that get some big papaya leaves, and it's supposed to be a snack. Well, one of the orangutans decides it's going to be a hat instead of a snack. Oh! So he puts it on his head, and he's just hanging out. It's a little sun hat. Well, what happens? Of course, all the other orangutans put their papaya leaves on their hat on their heads. Oh hats. my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah, so they're copying each other. Yeah. Imitate that community. An yeah. Okay. Imitate. It, it's like you want to relate, and you want to be liked almost, and so you instinctually do the things that the other person is doing without thinking about it, so you can be more like them and be right. liked by them. Because want to be like increases like yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, very fascinating. What I'm looking for is what I'm not seeing in the orangutans. Mm-hmm. So what the orangutans don't do is pray. What they don't do is 
look to anything other than themselves. So that's very interesting because that's what separates us as humans. We have the ability to have religion, to look up and find more than ourselves. Animals do not. They can't do that. So, you know, consider that as as a, a red flag, you know, mm -hmm. of sorts. It's like this is what makes us separate. This is this is what makes us divine. Mm -hmm. We have the ability to look beyond ourselves. Right. Beyond so, the instinctual side, beyond yeah. the beast. So if you can separate your beastly qualities from your divine qualities, maybe you'll get a little bit of insight and be able to take a peek at that rock-solid foundation of truth deep down in there. And do you think that most people's rock-solid truth, if truth is not relevant, then most people's are the same? Or would it be different than if the, your, your principles would essentially, if you get down to the bones, would they be the same almost? Like love and respect and stuff like that, you know? Maybe even words probably can't even express what the principles really are. It's probably not even humanly possible to put into words, but... It is very hard to articulate, but I do think that, yeah, it, this sort of relates to your question earlier, is truth relative, or principles relative? If principles are synonymous with truth in a way, then yes, they should be very similar, and that that's conflicting, because we're all very different, and we have a different set of beliefs. Why do we have a different set of beliefs? Because we were all raised in different circumstances. And we are just little sponges. We're just constantly absorbing everything around us and taking that in. And a lot of people have a hard time separating opinion from fact. And so if you take someone else's opinion as your fact, you're going to find holes and flaws in your personal life philosophy. It's not going to, it's not going to uphold you. So really get down to the bottom of, of what is true and what isn't. How do you do that? I don't know. <laughs> like I said. It's a personal journey. Yeah. Like I said, I try new things to do it, but I think there's countless different ways. Just pay attention because life is school. Life is school. And if you fail, you're going to have to try again. You don't want to try again. You want to move on to the next level. Mm -hmm. Just transcend this place. This is literally the eighth sphere is what they call it. Are you familiar with the tree of life or the Kabbalah? A little bit, but not very well versed on it now. I've just heard of it, really. Well, it's it's kind of hard to describe. You'd have to look at a picture of the thing, but it's a Jewish um, symbol or system, rather, of belief. And it sort of makes a hexagonal shape, like two hexagons in a way, connected. And at the very bottom, there's like a little piece that goes down. And the very, very bottom is a circle. That's the beginning, and that's the eighth sphere. That's where we are, which is essentially hell. Oh. Welcome to hell, y'all. This is really? it. What is this? What, how, where, where do you find this study? Um, you can just Google Kabbalah. I okay. Mean, yeah, it, it's, it can be spelled many different ways, with a Q or with a K. But, um, it, it, yeah, it's a Jewish okay, I was philosophy to... and religion. And uh, it's very intriguing, and it acts as a guide for a lot of different things. Like, if you take the tarot cards and you lay them out from beginning to end, it essentially forms a tree of life. So it is related directly to the Kabbalah. Oh, very interesting. So the eighth sphere, the thing at the very, very bottom, 
is connected to the rest of the tree by this one path. And that one path, I think, is imagination. Because we as humans are separated from animals, like we just discussed, by our ability to see beyond ourselves. It takes imagination to see beyond yourself. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for you. Are you always searching for holistic ways to heal your ailments? I know, girl. Me too. Well, I am so excited to share something with you that has honestly changed my life forever. Like, seriously, I am never going back. Have you heard of essential oils? If you haven't, then my next question would be, have you been living under a rock? Essential oils have helped me in so many ways. I cannot even mention them all here, but I will tell you my faves. I started using essential oils because I have suffered from migraines since I was 12, and I've always hated taking migraine medication. Anyone who's taken it knows that it's almost as bad as the migraine itself. It leaves you feeling all woozy and out of touch with reality, and the only thing that you want to do is sleep, like for the rest of your life. Ew. Well, my mom introduced me to peppermint essential oil, and I cannot even remember the last time I had to take one of those nasty little pills to hopefully ease the pain. I just put a few drops of essential oil on my head and neck, and within seconds, I'm feeling relief. And I even put it on my tummy because it has very powerful anti-nausea effects, and if you have ever had a migraine, then you know how nauseous you can be from them. And I have to mention tea tree oil here because it's been a lifesaver for me during these COVID times. I've been diffusing it constantly to keep the air purified in my apartment. It gives me so much peace of mind because even just breathing comfortably can feel a little challenging these days. If you want to learn more about the magical powers of essential oils and how they can help you heal in your life, then scroll on down to my doTERRA link in the show notes. There you will learn all about what essential oils are, how they work, and how to use essential oils to change your life. And feel free to reach out to me on social with any questions you may have. I look forward to seeing you there. Um, Using your art as well. So like, have you found any different ways of expressing your imagination through your graphic design and stuff that has kind of gotten you closer towards your goal of taking kind of the... I don't know what to call it, the commercialism out of, or the propaganda out of the graphic design and find like a way to incorporate it for spiritual purposes? You know, I haven't yet. The closest I've come is my hand lettering. Um, I do a lot of chalkboards around Athens. That's one of my favorite things that I do. And that's why I think that it's getting close, because it's my favorite thing. I just feel so in my element when I'm hand lettering. But I'm still selling something. I'm hand lettering a menu for a restaurant or for a yoga studio or whatever. It's all trying to sell something. But I think I'm getting close with that. The the way to express art, it's, it's difficult to talk about this because art and design are different. They can both be expressive, but design has a utilitarian function, always. Art can also be utilitarian, but it's mostly expressive. Um, So I think that one day I would like to figure out a way to use my skills to encourage and market integrity. I think that's something that our world is 
utterly lacking in. Mm-hmm. There's just so little integrity left in the world. I mean, look at all the stuff that's going on right now. There's just, you can't find the truth anywhere. There's just lies everywhere you turn. So the only place left to turn is inward. And if we each as individuals can practice integrity on a daily basis, then perhaps the world would be a better place because mm-hmm. it starts with you, not with everyone else. There's no more blaming the rest of the world for all the problems going mm-hmm. on. Take a look at yourself and see where you are causing problems because that might give you a little insight. Right. That come, <laughs> that relates directly to like the microcosm, macrocosm, as above, so below, that sort of thing, like as within, so without. So your internal reality creates your external reality you know what I mean like whatever you're seeing is what's going on inside and so you have to change yourself and I just wanted to touch too because I have a little bit of a different perspective on what you're saying about integrity here because I've heard and thought a lot about what's going on in the world and how how it feels like it's such a bad thing like like all of a sudden it just seems like the world's falling apart and there's so many negative things happening but at the same time I feel like Part of it is, like, not necessarily that there's more bad things, that I I think it's actually just coming to the light, and we're actually looking at it now, which is kind of what you were saying that is important for discovering the principles, looking at getting vulnerable, looking at the areas where there's issues or where people haven't wanted to look and stuff in the past, and, like, really getting intimate with that and figuring it out, like, kind of opening the what is that those dolls those russian dolls like getting to the the inside you know but yeah so i just i don't know what are your thoughts on that with integrity as far as it not being worse but actually just kind of revealing itself i'm glad you brought that up because i think that carl jung has a lot to say about this with his interpretation of the shadow is what he calls it And a shadow is something that you can't see because it's usually behind you. And it's something that you don't want to look at because it's dark. So if we can shed light on the things that we are avoiding looking at uh, within ourselves, then we might start to get to the truth. And you know, it's not easy. It hurts Mm -hmm. to see the truth about yourself. It sucks because you have to humble yourself. You have to knock down your tower. If there are any tarot enthusiasts out there, you've seen the tower card before. It's a very scary card. (laughs) You know, there's like people falling out Mm -hmm. of a building and a giant bolt of lightning striking this tower and it's on fire. It's horrifying. But I actually view the tower as a positive symbol because it shows you that you have built your ego up a little bit too high. And inevitably, if you do that, you will fall down. So build your tower wide and low. Make sure you stay humble to yourself, true to yourself. Always seek the truth. Don't ever sacrifice the truth for personal gain because it will lead nowhere. Mm, Very interesting. Very interesting. I've never heard that perspective on the ego because I view the ego differently. I I, I mean, obviously there's the light and the shadow to everything, but I view the ego as... Um, you know, the shadow side is like, if you get too involved in the ego, obviously you see people who are like considered egotistical and stuff of that nature. But I think that the ego is there to be your friend and to do you a favor and to make you right. And so it's whatever you're telling yourself, AKA like your ego, that, that part of you is 
your ego is trying to orchestrate your life to make that reality. You know what I mean? And so, um, that makes a lot of sense. I don't, I'm, for, from my perspective with the tower thing, it, it feels like if you're building your ego up in the wrong way, almost for the shadow side, that's when it's going to burn down. But I don't know. That's very interesting. I've never heard that perspective with the ego before. Yeah, I think that uh, generally speaking, the ego can be a toxic thing, but the ultimate goal would be to integrate it and mm -hmm. to use it as a tool rather than let it use you. Ultimately, the goal of everything in life, I think. Right. And if anyone out there listening has ever done psychedelics, you know what it's like to lose your ego because you realize <laughs> when you're neck deep in a trip that you are nothing. Yeah. You're so insignificant. And you almost yet, can't even feel your body. Yeah. But at the same time, amidst all of your insignificance, you realize that you are everything. Mm -hmm. So it's a very paradoxical situation. Our reality yeah. is paradoxical. And I think a lot of people don't realize that and, and are polarized often on this side or that side. But honestly, it's all one thing. It, Duality is an essential part of our reality, but it's ultimately an illusion because there's only one thing mm -hmm. when you get down to the bottom of it. Mm, yeah, I like that you brought that up too because we were talking earlier and I was sharing with you that in my past when I was coming into my spiritual awakening, my one of my biggest things that I had to get over was the fact that it like what is the point of life? Like it's everything and it's nothing. It's literally like everything matters and nothing matters. And your point was being like, it's not about one or the other. It's all the one in the same. And so it's almost, I don't know. It's just a weird acceptance thing. So I have a question as far going back to the integrity and the world and all of that sort of thing. Do you think that you know, so the microcosm and the macrocosm and all of that is a reflection. Do you think that all of this is happening in the world right now? I just like your perspective. You think it's all happening in the world right now because almost we're, we haven't looked within, right? And so the outside is getting so loud to force us. Like, I mean, talk about like this year quarantine and everything, like we've been pushed in, everything's like pushing us in. It's all getting big and loud on the outside and then pushing us in. So I'm just wondering if like we are, the universe is stepping in and being like, you guys won't look at yourselves. So we're going to force you to look at yourself almost by showing you all of this that you've created. Perhaps. I think as within, so without is the best way of thinking about it because look at the world around you. How many people do you know who are truth seekers? I don't know very many. The corruption that's happening without is a reflection of the corruption within. That's why we all need to stop expecting the world to fix itself and start fixing ourselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you, like, you can't help anyone unless you help yourself. Like, you, if you have nothing, you can't give to another. You know, you have to do the inner work first before you are able to do the outer work. If you're not establishing a strong practice within yourself to be the best version of who you are and your pure divinity as much as you can, then you cannot show up and teach others how to do that. 
Right. So like, that's how we have to better the world. We keep expecting, oh, that's not my job. Oh, they need, who are these they that everybody (laughs) talks about? Like, they need to fix it. Oh, they need to do this differently. It's like, okay, well, one of these days we're going to be the they, you know, like, I don't know how old a lot of the people are listening, but like our generation, we're in our like late 20s, you know, and so like our generation's up and coming. Eventually we're going to be the they. And I think that a lot of the problems stem from, always putting it on someone else and we never take responsibility and ownership for like anything yeah exactly it's time to start owning up Mm -hmm. but in addition to that um, as far as the problems of the world are concerned I think it might be interesting to mention if you don't already know that the great conjunction is coming up this year on December 21st 2020 the great conjunction is when Saturn and Jupiter align Saturn, of course, represents death and reaping, and Jupiter, of course, represents life and beginning, prosperity. So basically, we are coming to a head. Everything energetically is coming to a head. It's the end of an era and the beginning of a new era. So I don't know what's going to happen on December 21st. Probably nothing. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like that last time, December 12th, 12th. Yeah. Or whatever. Exactly. It was. So probably nothing, but. Probably nothing visually like apparent, like no plagues and stuff or something like. I mean, I feel like we've had a plague this year, but um, <laughs> nothing like that necessarily. But I think energetically there's going to be a huge thing because in the spiritual community, they've been talking about that a lot as well as that there's a massive awakening happening and that there's going to be a clear divide between the people who are choosing to look at themselves and to do the work and then the ones who are wanting to remain blind and you know sheeple so to speak they just want to be flocked and told and handed to and you know taken care of they don't want to actually put in the work to discover who they are and I think that our generation is also you know no hate to any other generations I love you all but I think that our generation in particular is kind of bringing in a new dynamic with we are the last generation that knows what it's like pre-technology and post-technology and um, I think that there is a huge advantage to that and I think that the world is going to be a very vastly different place very soon and there's a lot of opportunity happening I think there's a lot of changes happening we're bringing in we're seeing that there's a lot of issues and I think that's what's coming to the light like it's almost getting exploded and expanded overblown in a sense I think because it's been suppressed for so long suppressed or just in the dark because now we have this amazing thing called the internet which connects all of us and we're finally able to see things going on all over the world and you know that's that's brand new to be able to be so in tune with the news. Everybody knows what's going on now. So maybe it's not that corruption didn't exist before. We're just now finding out because now everyone can talk to each other about Mm -hmm. it. Everything is linked together and everything is like, instantaneous like what we were talking earlier about chain link and stuff but like everything like you instantly know like I could post something or you know somebody on the other world post something and you see it instantly like you know what's going on around the world instantly yeah that's never been a thing before right and in addition to that there is so much being posted and the truth kind of gets muddled Mm -hmm, in that way so it's going to take some work for us I, I think that technology is a blessing and a curse It goes back to what you were saying about using it instead of letting it use you. Right. Right. So I think that if we 
if we either abuse technology or if we also give it too much power, that's where the problem is, right? Because, I mean, obviously, I feel like the world would fall apart if technology was no longer at this point. You know what I mean? Like, we're so reliant on it. So that is a negative in a way, but it also automates and it allows us to level up in so many ways as well because we're not sitting here worried about, like, how are we going to have most people in the world are not worried about how they're going to, like, get clean water and stuff you know what I mean right yeah that's a scary situation because everyone is so dependent on everyone else and I think uh, many people don't realize that the major cities of the world all of your food is coming from the rural areas of the world where the hard-working farmers the flyover states so to speak yeah that's where all of your food and resources are coming from Those are the people, the salt of the earth, Mm. the meek, who will inherit the earth, as the Bible says. You know, don't don't bash them. They're trying to help everyone. And if they go down, you go down. Nowadays, it makes me very sad because we're not educated about basic life things. Like, that's where I think that the education system has so much room for improvement because we aren't taught, like... I honestly feel like majority of what we are taught in the standard education is honestly irrelevant. And at this point, like kids don't need to learn how to memorize dates of things that happened in the past. Like, you know what I mean? They don't need to know how to calculate five times five in their head in 20 seconds. They have calculate like, you know what I mean? They need to adjust the curriculum. We're not taught basic things. Why aren't we taught how to do finances or how to plant food or how to like sew or cook or do anything to care for ourselves whatsoever. We are literally completely reliant on outside sources for everything. And I think that that's also a huge issue with the macro microcosm because we're so external for all of our needs that we honestly almost have no need to look within for anything. And we're always having lights and everything. There's a reason why the dark exists. It's to push you in. Right. And, um, that, that brings up a good point. I don't know if any of y'all realize this or not, but we do not live in a democracy. We live in America in an oligarchy, which is a government system in which the rich have power and hold it. So your question was, why don't they teach us finance? That is very easy to answer. Why would the rich people teach you how to be rich? That would not be very advantageous to them, would it? Mm. They want to stay rich. Obviously, people that are in power are only interested in protecting their power. Mm -hmm. So wake up, y'all. Realize that you're a slave Mm -hmm. to the system. And, I mean, just really the only answer there is is to look within. It's all I can tell you. It's not about getting rich anymore. It's about finding fulfillment elsewhere. Yeah. Loving yourself, accepting yourself, like being aware of yourself, all of those types of things. Like, everybody, I feel like goals and achievements and all this stuff, they're great. But everybody has this image in their mind. Maybe not everybody. I won't won't generalize that. But I feel like a lot of people have this image in their mind of, oh, when I am working this job and I have this person and I have these kids and I live in this home and all this, then I'll be happy and all of that stuff with, they don't realize that where you are now, like you have to do the internal work to be happy, but you're just, if you don't do that, then you're just going to be the same you in a different setting, in a different outfit 
but the exact same person. People will level up on the external, but not level up on the internal. Right. And I think that that's a really interesting thing as well. And I think that our our world is like crying out for intimacy because everything is so masculine right now and just like hard. I don't know. It's time to do the work. It is time to do the work and look within <laughs> and love yourselves, people. That is my theme for like, I don't know how long, but starting when I went to my heart workshop thing, my heart chakra workshop, I'm like, okay, I have to focus on my heart and opening up because honestly your heart chakra is the bridge between you know the if you want to refer to it as what we were speaking of like the beastly and the divinity right it's your bridge between heaven and earth and so it's how we express it's how we bring it to one and I think that a lot of people have been hurt so much that we're shut off and so we need to learn how to open up our heart because that's the only way things are going to get healed like Martin Luther King says you can't um what Hate cannot drive out hate. Only light can do that. Um, also, a great reference to look for self-work is the Bible, surprisingly. And I know there's a lot of strange stigmas around this book because people akin it to, I don't know, what is it, misogyny or what is that mm. the right word? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Which is just absolutely ridiculous because the way the Bible is presented is the problem, not the Bible itself. Seek and ye shall find. You really have to read between the lines in order to understand what is being said. It's a mystical text, but people don't want to see it like that because that sounds like heresy. But, you know, set aside your preconceived notions of this book and take a look at it with fresh eyes. If you're going to look at any of it, I highly recommend looking at the Sermon on the Mountain. It is like everything you need to know condensed into two chapters, Matthew 5 through 7. And basically Jesus says, Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be opened. And much more that is very, very valuable information that I think you can take and apply to your own life and find within yourself how you can be like Jesus. And Jesus is an idea, you know, not not just a man that was crucified on a cross and suffered for our sins and the whole story of the Bible. It's also an idea that you can strive for to be like yourself. Mm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. And, you know, if you are involved in a different religion, look to your religion to find the truth there. Because it's there, I promise. They are all trying to tell the same story. I've done a lot of work in researching other religions and trying to find the common thread and there is a common thread they're all trying to tell you the same thing and that is transcend yourself mm -hmm. be better you know make the world a better place practice integrity become more than you are strive upwards and that's why even we're if here. you're failing just fail upwards go forward it's okay to fail mm -hmm. just do it in a it's actually motion. good to fail. Like, that means you're doing something. Yeah. You know, like, you're at least trying. Everybody, I mean, nobody is perfect. Everybody is, even if you're doing the best that you can, is still, there's going to be somebody better somewhere. Right. I also think that, back to um, these preconceived notions of the Bible, I used to think that God was a white man yeah. <laughs> sitting in the sky on a golden throne. I think a lot of people grew up with that. I think they do too. And that's just absolutely absurd because God, it's a, it's a big word. It's a big three-lettered word. And it, it means a lot of things, but I think that mostly it just means everything. 
everything that you see, the sky, the planets, the stars, you, you are God. I agree. Jesus says that in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You are God. Right. I'll have to I find that exact that well. Because, um, I mean, well, a metaphor or an example I like to use is, like, if you have a child, you're not going to be like, oh, you are nothing of me. Like, if you believe you're a child of God, whatever that means to you and or whatever you call source or whatever, if you believe that you were created from this source, then, like, you have to believe that you have that, that you are that, because you were created from it. You know what I mean? Like, duh. And, like, I have a different viewpoint. I know everybody has their beliefs and whatnot, just I like yours. I do agree with that, but the way that I visualize it in my mind is that like god is creation unfolding as creation for the sake of creation just because it can yeah and so like literally everything that you see like i picture almost like do you know when you see those flower those those um clips of like a flower blooming really fast they like speed it up and Mm -hmm. it just like unfolds that's the way i envision creation the universe happening constantly I just envision it's just like constantly unfolding itself in all directions that is chaotic and beautiful and like yeah and that's a perfect representation of the adage as above so below Mm -hmm. as the flower blooms so does all of creation Mm -hmm. Mm, and if beautiful if you wanted to look at the bible from a different set of eyes from a psychological perspective um I highly recommend Jordan Peterson He's amazing. He goes through the Bible. He hasn't done the entire Bible yet. He'll probably die before he can do that. It's a lot of books. Mm-hmm. But he goes through each of the beginning books in the Old Testament and tells you the psychological significance of these stories, like the story of the flood, the story of Cain and Abel, etc., etc., the story of Adam and Eve. Mm-hmm. And it's very intriguing because I've never looked at it from that point of view. I've always just been spoon-fed a point of view, a perspective by mm-hmm. a church. And don't ask questions. Yeah, and you know, that really pushed me away from Christianity. Mm-hmm. And I started being very cynical about it. And But eventually, I, I came full circle all the way back around because I realized that this book holds keys, the keys to heaven. And heaven is also not a golden gated place in the clouds. Mm -hmm. Something else. The issue that I have with religion, and I think this is a very deep subject, people, I know if you don't whatever, but the issues that I have with religion is that I feel like it puts a divide between you and source between you and yourself essentially like it's trying to say here you have to come to me in order to get to heaven which is actually inside of you it's not like a pearly gate like I mean we're here to evolve and level up and transform and all of those good things that you're saying it also sucks but like they make you think that everything's outside of yourself when it's not. You know what I mean? That's just right. the issue I've always had with it. And I, I've had my phases too where I've been super religious and like reading the Bible for hours a day for my Bible study and stuff like that. And um, now I kind of err on the side of spirituality where I don't like label anything too much. It's all more intuitive and like what I'm feeling and personal to myself, I think. But it is a very interesting... Um, Religion, I think, has a lot to share and to teach, but it is taken out of context a lot. It is, but I think that I think that the goal is to provide 
stories that are relatable because we're talking about things or the Bible or um, any other religious text is talking about things that are very abstract. They're very hard to articulate. And so the parables of Jesus use things that are of this earth and that we understand and can relate to. So I think it's less about providing a divider between you and God and more about providing a bridge. Think of it as a bridge because, I mean, we can't just pop up out the womb and expect to understand mm -hmm. these very complicated ideas of beyond the self. So thinking of a sheep and a shepherd gives you a much more clear understanding. Using metaphor and story as a way to present ideas is very effective with humans. That's the way we communicate mostly is through stories. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I have a very different point of view. I agree. I, I like that. And I, I have a different point of view, whereas I think that that is the difference between the Bible and the way that religion has interpreted the Bible. And also, Part of me believes, and I haven't given this a ton of thought, I actually have given it a little bit of thought, I think that when you're first born, you're actually closer to divinity. You actually know more yeah. than the self. So it's actually almost like where you would see it as a bridge, I would see it almost as a distraction in a way. I think that if you're looking at the Bible in the right type of way and you have someone that you trust that is going to interpret it to you in the way, you know, to reveal it to you so that you look within instead of trying to be like, oh, I have to go tithe to a church in order to go to heaven, you know, that sort of thing, um, then I think that, yes, it can be a bridge, but I think it's how it's presented, yeah. of whether it's a bridge or kind of a distraction, a bridge to the truth or a bridge to the not truth well the problem is that we're born perfect and innocent and then we are subjected to the hells of this world and basically we're born perfect we are corrupted and then we have to get back to perfection so it's this cyclical thing that never ends and the bible is just a really great way to help figure it out. Um, another text that I find extremely useful is the Tao Te Ching. That's T-A-O-T-E-C-H-I-N-G. Um, it's written by Lao Tzu. And it is a book of divine paradoxes. So just to give you guys an example, my favorite paradox in this book uh, reads as follows. Those who know don't talk. Those who talk don't know. Close your mouth, block off your senses, blunt your sharpness, untie your knots, soften your glare, settle your dust. This is the primal identity. Be like the Tao. It cannot be approached or withdrawn from, benefited or harmed, honored or brought into disgrace. It gives itself up continually. That is why it endures. So mm. for those of you who don't are not familiar with the Tao Te Ching, the Tao translates to the way. So I akin the way as, think of it like a big river. We are all in this big river. It's moving in one direction. You can't control the river. Don't try. You'll waste your time and energy. You can't swim upstream. You'll just get tired. But you can, if you, you know, have a little bit of patience and calmness, you can sort of move to the left a little bit if you want, or move to the right and guide yourself through the river in a way that is natural and organic and not fighting against something that you can't change. 
So life is a big paradox. Mm-hmm. Life is death. Mm, that whole, was it called a parable that you read? Or um, whatever it is. It, it reminds me of the phoenix. Like when you were reading it, I was like, oh, it's like the phoenix. It's life and death in one almost and like it says um it cannot be approached or withdrawn benefit or harmed oh wait where does it say it gives itself up continually that is why it endures that's very interesting and I pictured also the unfolding of the flower type of thing that I was because like as soon as it blooms it dies but then it goes back into the earth to create more to bloom again the phoenix is actually an amazing example um, that is constantly referenced throughout history and alchemy as well. And actually, the phoenix is the original symbol of Atlanta um, because Atlanta burned when Sherman came through during the Civil War. And after the city was reestablished, they used the phoenix as their symbol. And this ties in really great to a book that I would like to recommend to everyone. If you're from Georgia, if you're from the South, and want to be a little more rooted in your upbringing, read Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell. Um, It's a really great historical piece of fiction that gives you a little bit of insight into the past from a feminine perspective. Beautiful, strong, bitchy woman (laughs) who is out to survive and she is a rock star, and you really kind of grow to hate her and love her at the same time when you're reading this book. So give it a chance. It's kind of long, but I couldn't put it down when I started. So mm. if you'd like to learn a little bit more about the South and be entertained at the same time, pick up Gone with the Wind. When you were saying that, it was making me feel like that's also a great way to study developing a balance between the feminine and the masculine and I don't mean like man and female I mean like the energies within you're saying that she was like beautiful and all this stuff but then a bitch when she needed to be to you know protect herself it's all about survival and making you have to use both you know you have to use the gentle and the strong I guess you would say are the the opposites of each other exactly that's very interesting I like that a lot yeah Scarlett Mm -hmm. O'Hara is one of my heroes, and actually my favorite book I've read to date is Gone with the Wind. I had a question about, we were talking about this earlier, and I keep it keeps coming back in my mind, so I want to ask it. It was something about, I can't remember the exact question, but it was something about with Jesus, and we were talking about principles and beliefs and how Jesus was here to show us that we need to look at ourselves, right? Isn't You said something like that, that he came to say, like, look at yourself almost, like, go within yeah. is that I thought you said something along those lines yeah. like okay maybe it wasn't Jesus but going within so oh, man it was principles and beliefs and so I guess my question is do you think that our beliefs are based off of our principles and do the beliefs get warped if we're not in touch with our principles because I oh this is where it came from you were saying that you um, your thoughts and your words and stuff becomes your reality. You said something along those lines or whatever. Anyways. Uh, thoughts are things. That's thoughts true. things and words give you wings. <laughs> yes. Um, but what you believe creates your life. But that is, that is a very good way of looking at it. And um, I think it's actually the opposite. Your principles are determined by your beliefs. Mm. 
or wait, what did you say? <laughs> I, I was thinking that it would be the other way around because the principles lie beneath the beliefs, right? So if I think about it, like chakras are like stacking a book, like the principles is the foundation and then the right. beliefs are on top and then yeah. you have your, your morals and your values and it goes up from there, right? And it becomes into like your everyday actions and your habits and all of that sort of thing. And so if we are not in touch with our principles, then would our beliefs be out of touch as well? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you worded that very well. And if you loved this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate and share with a friend who needs to hear it. Also, I would love if you could leave me a review on iTunes and take a screenshot and email it over to me at theworthybitch at gmail.com. That's theworthybtch at gmail.com. Link is in the show notes, and I will send you a free gift of my 30 affirmations for the doshas that will assist you in your practice to find balance. And as always, I thank you so much for taking this time today to show up for yourself and do the work. Keep living life on purpose, my worthy bitches. 